You know, it's, uh, we're in the second Sunday of Lent, a time of, of preparation, of, of preparation for celebrating the death and the resurrection of, of Jesus. And, and as I considered this, this season of Lent and wondered, you know, what, where, where are we as a community? What is the word we need in terms of preparing for the, the, the greatest event in the history of all creation? I look around and see a lot of people who are very involved in good things, motivated by the glory of God and and love for God and and love for others, and how easy it can be as as a people who are on a mission, a people who are part of a church of tearing down the walls and and walking across the rubble, that, that we can get weary in doing what is good. And, and that's nothing to say just of our culture. That's a 24-hour culture, always pushing, always moving, always saying we need to be new and improve, we need to, to take the next hill. Whether we're teenagers, whether we're parents, employees, grandparents, whether we're taking care of our children, whether we're taking care of our parents, or whether we're just trying to navigate life as our body moves in a direction we don't want it to go. How do we rest? Lent is, is this time for us to, to slow down, to set our attention on Jesus. And so the, the passage that we're focusing on and looking at uh, each Sunday during the season is the one that, that came to mind in Matthew 11. That, that gives us the time to breathe, to stop. To, to listen together and, and see what does Jesus mean when he says that he will give us rest. Let's pray together. Gracious God, speak to us in this time. In, in each of us, Lord, uh, help us hear from your Holy Spirit how, how you, we, we yoke with you. Show us, lead us, direct us. Build our our faith and trust in you that we let go and need to let go of so that we might indeed truly rest as you promise uh, to lead us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. And our passage is in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, starting with verse um, 28, um, and we'll go through 30. I invite you to... Say this with me. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, Gene, last week, looked at the, the beginning part and just saying you know, that Jesus said, Come to me. That everybody, anyone who's 
overburdened. Come to me. If you're carrying a burden, come to me. It's, and, and, and noted that this is about a relationship. This is about coming to Jesus. He didn't say, come follow this moral code, or, or here's a rule book, or here are some religious practices, or here's some magic pixie dust. He said, come to me in a listening and a, a loving and a, a following after Jesus and doing what he says, and that will lead to rest. And, and today, the, the, the next command that he says is now, he says, take my yoke upon you. Now, some of you, yoke, is a eggs? I mean, what exactly is a, a yoke? We don't have many yokes around us. Here's a picture. Of a, of a yoke here, okay? You, you see there's, there's, there's uh, two spots there. Now the next shows you how a, a yoke is being used. And those, a yoke is then those, see those two little uh, um, loops then are around each of those oxen's neck. And what Jesus is saying here is, I've got a yoke and I want you to be yoked with me. I'm one of the oxen and you're, you're one. And let's come together and I'll show you, and this is the key thing here, I'll show you how to work. The key thing in learning how to rest is not learning how to rest, but learning how to work. It's how do we work with Jesus? How does he then take, see the picture that he's saying, and we'll talk even more later in the week, where he's saying, come be yoked with me, learn from me. I mean, the picture of a yoke is where they take the young oxen, they, they, they put him with the mature one, and as they take the yoke, as they plow the field, the young learns from the older how to plow. You don't get too far ahead, don't, don't get too creative and wavy with your yoke, but do what the mature ox is doing. And that's what Jesus is telling us to do. That's the picture. Now come be yoked with me. It's interesting here. You know, Jesus doesn't, uh, one of the commentators I read said, you know, Jesus doesn't give an escape hatch here. You know, here, I want to give you rest. Here, let me show you an escape hatch. He gives us equipment to know how to work. My way of working, my way of, of giving effort to what is important, my way of giving your life to what is truly significant, that's what leads to rest. A couple things and to, to, to gather from this. One is that work is eternal and good. That may be a shock. Uh, for some of us. And we'll talk a little bit about well, what do you mean by work? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. But just hear that work is eternal and good. Work was found in Genesis chapter 1. Before the fall. Before the curse. The very end of Genesis 1. And God says to, to, to uh, uh, humans, go and subdue. Have dominion. Be fruitful and multiply. There was a, a, an element of working over God's creation, of sustaining and developing and multiplying God's creation. There's your definition of work. Sustaining, developing, and multiplying God's creation for God's glory. That was what God designed in the beginning. And, and there will also be work in heaven. 
That, that same fulfillment of sustaining and developing and multiplying the new heaven and the new earth will be ours. Work is eternal and good. For many, that, that work in, entails our employment. You know, that, that's, our, our employment is part of sustaining and, and developing and multiplying God's good creation. Uh, for many others, it, it's not in our employment. It's, it's students. You know, you're, you're working. You're, you're part of sustaining and multiplying, developing God's creation as, as you learn, as you develop in mind, body, and soul. Uh, for those whose primary responsibility is caring for the family. That, that's your work. That's where the effort is in sustaining and developing and multiplying. And, and many of you are retired. You know, so there is no employment. And as Chappie regularly reminds us, it, he is absolutely good for absolutely nothing. And that is what retirement is. It is to be good for nothing in all kinds of ways. And then some are unemployed, seeking employment. And the the work is seeking employment because they they want to fulfill what God has called them to be in in working, in sustaining and developing and multiplying God's creation. For God's glory and God's joy. Jesus calls us to work. To place effort in our lives with Him. Now, work is eternal and good. And that's what Genesis 1 is. But Genesis 3 then gives us the curse and the fall where we see that work leads to frustration. It is not always then does not always lead to our immediate pleasure in the earthly results. And often the, the the amount of effort we put in does not seem to be commiserate with the results of our efforts. Our efforts seem to be diminished and sometimes even end in failure. And that is because we we work then in this perfect plan of God in a broken world among broken people and broken you and me. And and so we put the, the effort in, but often it comes back leading to frustration. And that's where the, the burden starts. That's where we get heavy laden because we try to fix it ourselves. We, we notice this in the context of our passage. That the very beginning of Matthew chapter 11 gives us the story of John the Baptist, or the end of the story of John the Baptist. And you, you recall John the Baptist, the, the son of Elizabeth and Zechariah. He's the one whom God has called with, with the second greatest purpose of any human being. He's the one, he's the trumpet to announce the coming of God's anointed one, the coming of the Messiah, of the salvation of humankind, of of the new heaven and new earth. The kingdom of God is among us, and John is the one to announce and proclaim that and prepare the way to make the mountains low and the valleys high. And he fulfills that purpose. That is his work. That is the effort that he is to give to sustaining and to, to, to multiplying God's good creation. And now, at this time, John finds himself in prison. 
Matthew 11, verses 2 to 6. The beginning, the, 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 really the event that leads to the passage we looked at. The, the context for, for our passage of, God, of Jesus saying, I'll, I'll bring you rest. When John heard, this is uh, again Matthew 11, 2 through 6. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. Let's try to relate to John here. All right, so so John's in prison. He's about to be beheaded. And yet he's the one who has worked and done exactly what God was leading him to do. And and he's behind prison walls. And and he's wondering, hey, are you really the one, Jesus, that I was supposed to announce? Or was I all wrong? Because the results of his work, in terms of his own personal receiving of those works, are severely diminished. And... John would have a good point to say behind, hey, remember, you're the one that said you were going to bring freedom to the, to the captives and release to the prisoners. <laughs> Look at me behind bars. And, and plus, we, we know the, the story. We know what we're preparing for. We know where Jesus, who is one, if anyone worked perfectly, whose effort was perfectly placed in bringing glory to God, in sustaining the creation, in redeeming the creation, in multiplying the creation, it was Jesus. And where did that get him? So the the frustration that we face in work is the same one that John faced. It's the same one that Jesus faced. And so it's in that frustration. It's in that sense that we are in a, a broken world, that we are living according to a set of rules that are not the rules of this world, that Jesus says, you're working right, John. Come on, you just come alongside. Be yoked with me and you'll find rest even behind bars even as you're about to face your immediate physical death. Be yoked with me. See, the rest that Jesus is calling us to, this this sense of it being easy and this burden relieved, is not a, a physical rest, obviously. It is much deeper than that. It is a rest of the soul, even when we're behind bars, even when hanging on a cross. The words at the end of the passage in verse 30 where he says that his burden is easy and light, the words there are better translated to say it fits well. You know, you've had working instruments with you, you know, and, and they, they fit well. And you, you do your work well. With a, you know, when it comes time to, to splitting the, the firewood, you know, when, when you've got a, a, a sharp 
all. And, and, and you, you got the, the, the mallet that that's, uh, just fits in your hand so well. Yeah, it fits well. And it is sustaining. It is satisfying. So Jesus was telling John, John, man, what you have done is just right. Look around you. Isn't this satisfying? Your word has proclaimed the coming of the kingdom. And look at the people whose sight has been restored, whose hearing has been restored. All the poor that are hearing good news because of what you have done. Be yoked with me, John. And you'll find your rest in seeing the effort that you have done, the effort that you have put forth in working to sustain, to redeem, to multiply God's good creation. It it fits. You have done it well. And it is satisfying to see the results around you. What does it look like then for us? We consider this. What what does it look like then to be yoked with Jesus in our work, in our work for in our employment, in our work as, as parents, grandparents, children, as neighbors, as citizens, in our work of life, in the callings of our life? What does it look like then to be yoked with Jesus? Well, another passage that comes to mind, one of my favorites along these lines, is is the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 41. Hear the word of the Lord as tells this story of Mary and Martha and Jesus. Now, as they went on their way, he, Jesus, entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed, her, welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. I want us to learn in taking this yoke, this yoke of Jesus that fits with, that leads to satisfaction, that is easy in life, that is life-giving as we work, as God created us to work. Even though we're a broken people in a broken world where frustration is regularly the result. Two things. One from Mary, one from Martha. One, let's learn from Mary that Mary is yoked with Jesus. And that she has put her effort in the right place, first and foremost, in terms of priorities. She has put her effort into worshiping God. She has put her effort into being with Jesus. To being yoked with Jesus. She has put time, energy, and intention and attention to praising the Father. 
That's a, a key word here that I, I'm really recognizing more and more. In, in this session, we're, we're doing a study on worship. And one of the, the things that the, the worship um, material that we're reading is saying is that we as a people in, in, in America, we're very trained, we're formed by our world to be consumers. You know, to, to, to come in to any gathering like this and say, okay, what you got for me? Like we're going to a movie or, or to a concert or to a class or to a, a speaking engagement. Yeah, and it's, it, it's just the way that we're formed. You know, it's the water in which we swim. And, and that causes trouble when we gather to worship God together. If we come with that notion. We come just with the notion that I'm coming to receive. You know, I'll come, I'll pay my tithe, and I'll get my religious goods. That, that, that's not being yoked to Jesus. And that, that is not putting effort where effort is needed. You know, we, we want to come in order to put effort towards praising God, towards encountering God, towards seeking His face, towards seeking His presence, towards supporting and helping others do the same. We come to gather here not to rest, but to work, so that as we work to face God, He will give us that rest. If we come to get the rest, we'll never get it. What we are coming to get is God. To sit at Jesus' feet, to, to hear from Him, to encounter Him, to be yoked with Him, and then He will give us rest. I said it a couple times before, but you know, as we as we gather here and we, we gather like we gather for a, a speech or a, or a concert, and we gather in order to critique or evaluate. Ooh, man, and that puts us in a really bad spot because the place we should be coming when we gather together is not to evaluate, but to be evaluated by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. So we see from Mary, as we we yoke with Jesus, that the effort, first and foremost, is to be with uh, with Jesus at the the feet of the Father, to to seek the Father together, to work at our worship. It was uh, Richard Foster, I think, said, you know, we, in in America, we, we tend to worship our work, work at our play, and play at our worship. We, we tend to worship our work, work at our play, and play at our worship. And I, I'm proposing to you, as, as I put these two passages together, that as we yoke with Jesus, then that means we will yoke with Jesus and join with Him in putting effort towards praising and worshiping and acknowledging God when we gather together and in everywhere we go. All right, now, now the other then is Martha. And what Martha learns is, is Jesus invites her to be yoked with, with him is that Martha learns she's got to put work in the right place. She's got to put the work of our day, the, 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 the tasks that are before us, the things that, that are, I mean, what Martha wanted to do, feeding people and cleaning the kitchen, that's good stuff. It's necessary stuff. But it has to be put in its right priority. 
I, I just I love to, to imagine then this, 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 this picture then of Martha coming in with Jesus. And, and, Je- and Martha says, Jesus, don't you know what's going on? You know, tell her to help me. Come on. And she's just been banging the pots and pans together. And she comes in and Jesus, I just sort of see him smiling and say, Martha, take this yoke. Let's, let's get yoked together. And so then they do. You know, they put the yoke on. One of them on one side, one on the other. And then you know what happens. They both walk opposite directions. You know, sort of this yank. That's it. Martha, she's running over to the kitchen. She's being yanked because Jesus is saying, No, come this way. Come, come this way. Let me, let me tell you what, what, be yoked with me. Let me tell you what's, what is the highest priority that you need to do is come fall at my feet and seek the face of the Father Martha. And I even imagine, in, in, if we put ourselves in Martha's place, you know, and we've got priorities, we've got things that we know need to accomplish, and we have not brought them before God, either because we know what God will say or we're just too, so busy you know, to do those things. We don't even think about it. I, I, and we're, we're yoked with Jesus, and we're pushing this way, and He's pushing that way, that I, I bet even at times that Jesus... Uh, what, what, I wonder what will happen if, if we or Martha say, Jesus, will you just come in, 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 in the kitchen with me right now? I, I can't get myself to anywhere else. I've got to put the forks up before I can do anything else. I have a feeling Jesus say, okay, let's go. Let's go in the kitchen. Let's put the forks up. And let's talk about the forks and the pots and the pans and whatever else are the tasks of life. And, and, and Jesus, in the way only Jesus can, if we invite him into the kitchen, will then say, come be yoked with me. And let's give our effort, let's give our work to what is most prominent in all of creation. And then you'll find rest. Because I've got news for you, Martha. After the forks are done, the spoons are still there. And after the spoons are done, the knives are still there. And after the knives, the plates. And you know, by the time you finish, you know what time it is? Lunchtime. And they're just going to be dirty again. So if you're, if you're trying to find rest by finishing the tasks, it's failure and frustration. And we all know that. Be yoked with Jesus and put the tasks and the important things and the callings that God has on our life as secondary in their proper place so that we learn from Martha and Mary and work side by side with Jesus who seeks to empower us, teach us, and show us the way. To feed our hope. As I was preparing for this, a little story came to mind from the movie Selma, which I highly recommend. A powerful Christian message in that movie. But in the movie, Dr. King, as he's about to head to Selma, he needs to be encouraged. And he realizes that. He realizes he's got to do this yoked with Jesus. And so he calls a friend and says, I need to hear a word from the Lord. It was Mahalia Jackson, a pretty significant friend. And asked her to sing for her. Uh, for him as he was going. And, and what she sang was, Precious Lord, take my hand. And so as I started to look into that, and I couldn't, didn't feel right about pirating a copy of a movie that was still going on and using a clip of it. Um, 
so um, for the for our service. But I started to look into the song and found out the story of the song is uh, written by Thomas Dorsey, the, one of the fathers of modern gospel music, and. He tells the story on this video clip of how he came to write this particular song and at the death of his wife and child during the course of, of childbirth. And I thought, you know, that's, that's a powerful story too as, that, that illustrates being yoked with Jesus as we work to what God has called us to do, but we face frustration, we face evil, we face pain in this, in this broken world. And so after this video, then we're going to sing the song together. And as we're singing the song, Precious Lord, Take My Hand, it's a time of response. Just saying, all right, yeah, what, what is... I, I want Jesus to take my hand. I want to be yoked with Jesus. What keeps you from being yoked with Jesus? Yeah, give it to Him. Uh, just during this time, let this be a time of response to Him. Yeah, Jesus, I want to be yoked with You so that this rest that You promise, this, this fit of doing this work that You've called us to do, of, of, of sustaining, of multiplying the work of Your creation, I want that rest. So I want to be yoked with You. I don't know anyone that has written songs as heart-searching as Thomas A. Dorsey. They come out of experience in him, that's what he says. There's no song that could equal Precious Lord. He wrote Precious Lord when he was discouraged and his spirit was broken. Anyway, I was in a revival, and my wife was to become a mother. I went away with it feeling that uh, she'd make a lovely, lovely mother when I came back. I knew my people were well when I left home, or, and they sent for me to come to the door. I said, boy, I brought me in a telegram. I took it and read it. I almost fell out. It says, hurry home. Your wife just died. I don't know how you would accept that. I couldn't accept it at all. And uh, a friend of mine put me in the car. He took me right home. I got home. I jumped out and ran in to see if it was really true. And one of the girls just started crying and said, Nettie just died, Nettie just died, Nettie just died, and fell in the floor. The baby was left alive. But in the next two days, the baby died. Now, what should I do then and there? tried to tell me things that would be soothing to me. But none of it's never been soothing to me from that day to this day. But uh, two fellows come by, I forget their names, they were friends of mine, and uh, they were telling me about it. And I says, I don't know what to do, and I don't know how to do. And uh, I just tried to make my little talk to the Lord, but it was wasting, I think. And uh, I called the Lord some one thing, and the, one of the others says, no, that's not his name. Say, precious Lord. I said, that just sounds good. And it's got several amens on precious Lord. And ladies and gentlemen, believe it or not, 
I started singing right then and there. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, and let me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. They beat it. And I've done it from, from here to Europe, all over, all over Europe, and some of the eastern, uh, western uh, countries. And they all accept it. Do that precious Lord thing. And I'm going to keep on doing it, ladies and gentlemen, until the lady that I work with then makes another appearance. She's been dead for a long, long time. So that means what? That I intend to live on the Lord's shoulder for many, many, 